0: Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. Now, here's your hosts, Pippin Williamson and Brad Tanong.
1: Welcome back to episode 62 of Apply Filters. Today, Brad and I go over some of the recent things that we've been working on, um, some recent developments, projects, etc. But first, a word from our sponsors.
0: I registered my first ever domain name in 1999, 17 years ago. Back then, there was one place to register domain names, a company called Network Solutions. Many of you probably already know this, but did you know that Network Solutions also has a WordPress hosting platform? They do. It's called Secure WordPress. It's a managed WordPress hosting platform with an emphasis on security. They automatically keep WordPress core and your themes and plugins up to date, They have daily backups, they provide malware scanning and removal, and they put your site behind a data center class firewall to protect against zero-day hacks and DDoS attacks. They have expert tech support available 24-7 via chat and phone. Network Solutions takes care of keeping your site locked down and up-to-date so you can focus on your business. Visit GetNetsol.com slash filters today to get started. That's GetNetsol, N-E-T-S-O-L, dot com slash filters. And now, back to the show.
1: Okay, Brad, what have you been up to?
0: Uh, well, last week I just got back from uh, Bacon Biz which is a conference for did you eat a lot of bacon (laughs) no it's it's bacon as in bring home the bacon so Ah, so it's a business conference and and a conference is even kind of a not a really uh, good word for it because it's it's only 60 people it's a very small conference and uh it was in philadelphia it was just great it was um because it was a small conference, you kind of got to know everybody. Uh, they had really great speakers. Um, small
1: small? Are we talking 50 people, 100 people, 200 people?
0: Uh, no, 60. 60 people, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, awesome. it's very small. And uh, it was put on by Amy Hoy and Alex Hillman, who uh, do quite a bit of education around bootstrapping your own business uh, and that kind of stuff. So definitely check them out if you've never heard of them.
1: How did you get connected to this? Was this just something that you came across and decided you wanted to go? Was this an invite-only kind of event?
0: Uh, It was, no, it wasn't invite-only. So you could, anybody could register through the site uh, or, I mean, if you were on their email list, then you would get the invite through there and anybody can join their email list as far as I know. So I think I've heard about it through, you know, maybe a tweet or something. I've, I've known about amy for a while she she's also she goes to microconf in las vegas and so yeah I've, I've i've known about what she's been up to in terms of business education and stuff for a while so i'm not i'm not really sure exactly how i i found out about it awesome nonetheless some some pretty big takeaways um I'll share one with you if, if you're yeah, interested. I'd love to hear it. So one thing I've known for a while is that we should be doing more with uh, Drip, which is our email marketing system that we use.
1: More in terms of uh, like automated workflows, follow-ups and upsells and things
0: like that? Kind of. So there's something so when you click on an email that I send you, there's a little ID attached to that URL. So when you get back to our site, there's a little piece of JavaScript that reads that ID, so it knows it knows that you're a subscriber, right? Right. But yet, on our every blog post, we just show you an opt-in form anyway, <laughs> right? Even though
1: we, you already know that they're subscribed,
0: exactly. Which is ridiculous. We should be, you know, showing, um, you know, promoting our products there, or you know, doing something useful in that space rather. Right? Right. Because
1: there's <laughs> no reason for them to see that subscribe form again.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's at, at the very least we should just get rid of it. So that's <laughs> at least they are not seeing it again. Um, but but I also took a look at our our stats, our Google Analytics, and although our traffic has like is six times what it was, you know, last year in at the beginning of 2015, the traffic to our product pages has not increased at all. It's about the same, the whole time. So what does that tell you? So your
1: traffic is increasing from the, from the blogging that you're doing to the emails you're sending out, but you're not seeing much of that traffic carry over to products. Exactly. Kind of what
0: you're thinking. Exactly. They come, they come in through Google, read what they need to read and then they, they leave. They never, they never see anything else. So yeah, we we need to do a much better job of, of, you know, getting those people to see our products as well. Um, Have you
1: guys, so you've, obviously identified this kind of issue because i mean if you could get uh even a third of that new traffic over the products you might dramatically increase your conversion rates do you have a plan in mind for what you're going to do or have you already done it
0: uh well we'll be using drip because in addition to knowing their subscriber drip also uh we tag anybody that's a customer so all that information is inside drip so we can customize uh the blog page the single like a, an article page, we can, we can customize that based on if you are a customer of MigrateDB Pro or you're, or you're not. Right. So maybe show you, you, you know, MigrateDB Pro in the place of uh, an email opt-in. Right. Sure. So, so that kind of thing. Uh, so Brendan Dunn was talking about that and how he's done that, um, and it's been very effective for him. And he 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 does a double year freelancing rate. I think that's that's his educational product. Anyway, he's optimized the heck out of his website, and and this is one of the things. So it just really pushed me. I'm like, oh, I got to do this. It's kind of ridiculous that we're not doing this.
1: <laughs> so yeah, you know, as we have all of this data, user tracking has gotten significantly more powerful than it used to be. It is kind of silly now that we still have so many static pages on our site that we show it to to everybody the same way, regardless of who they are, what they've purchased, what they haven't purchased, where they kind of came from, et cetera. And I, I think that you're spot on in that if we can start tailoring those pages to who that person is, we can have probably some tremendous success with it. I'd love to hear how the results turn out for you in three months.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens, I guess.
1: Hopefully it might not even take three months. I mean it could be <laughs> if you guys already have yeah. that traffic. It might be something that if you uh, make that change so that you let's say that you show product details instead of or like do an upsell or documentation or something. I mean, that might be something that you can see the next day or two days later or three days later even.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it just needs, it's one of those things, you know, you just, you put off and you don't really recognize the value until someone points it out to you at a conference and really right. shows how well it's working for them.
1: You know, the, that goes for just about anything that we do. Almost everything that I think that we we learn as, uh, as we're building products or services or, or companies, or just like, I don't know, even just development skills or life skills comes from somebody else showing us. So that's great.
0: Yeah. Another thing uh, that's been going on is uh, I've, I've been kind of depressed about our branding. So uh, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about DataHawk, our new product that we're working on. And it uh, turns out DataHawk is not trademarkable. <laughs> There's another company uh, called DBHawk, which is, has a database tool. And that's just way too close, and we'd never get a trademark uh, for datahawk and and in fact, that other company might sue us for you know, invading their territory, right?
1: So what are you gonna do about it?
0: So we're renaming renaming it to. Maybe I shouldn't say yet. We haven't even got the brand. <laughs> Maybe you get guy. your trademark and then say. <laughs> you know what though? You can't register a trademark until you, the first right. uh, dollars, until you start. You
1: have to have proof that it's actually being used. In and, commerce,
0: yeah. Yep. Yeah, so it's a, it's a chicken and egg problem, right? because you announce what your branding is and then someone comes along and starts selling a product with the same name. I've got a sour taste in my mouth, so I'm going to keep this to myself for now, at least until we... We'll be launching the like a blog post that introduced the product and stuff and our brand new branding and everything. How uh, close do you even. think
1: uh, you, you are from launching? Is this a, a month away? Is it still maybe six months? Is it a week?
0: We ran into a bit of a, a hiccup and we had to expand the scope. So it was something... It's something that we knew that we would have to do eventually, but we've realized we have to do it now because not doing it makes it look like the system is buggy. So we we don't want the system to look buggy the first time people use it. So we've expanded the scope. We're going to probably be probably the end of what's next month july so probably mid-august now is when we're aiming for mvp we've got vienna coming up this this uh this month later this month so we've got like a week where we're we're going to be you know on holiday essentially working holiday so yeah somewhere like uh late july early to mid-august something like that hopefully you know things things do come up as you know it's getting closer though it is, it is. I mean, we were hoping to launch at the end of May is what we were saying, you know, a couple months ago. And then and this roadblock came up. So it happens. So another thing where, well, I think I mentioned this before that we're hiring still, we're hiring a product developer.
1: You're always hiring.
0: <laughs> I'm just going to no keep way. saying it. Okay. Uh, until we're not. What's interesting though, is that I had a chat with my team about our hiring, you know, we, we bring a lot of people on on trial and, and, and that don't work out. And so we were kind of trying to figure out like, maybe we could, <laughs> we could kind of increase our success rate, right? Instead of maybe, I think our rate is probably like one in five right now. So we bring five people on and only end up hiring one. That's not a very good success rate. And so we're trying to get it to maybe like one in three or something it would be great.
1: Why um, do you think the success rate is low? Is it just being willing to take on people before they've kind of proved themselves through the application process? So like an actual trial by fire type of thing? I'm not entirely sure that is a low success rate.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've, I've talked to a number of people, uh, Ryan uh, Sullivan over at WP Care, also Has a similar success rate, and so it's not uncommon. Or it's at least one other person has the same success rate. So I don't know if it's if 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 it's a bad success rate or it's just the norm. But we're gonna try to make it better anyway. So the job posting I had advanced programming skills as the requirement. What we decided is maybe that should be a bit more specific. Because we were getting people with all kinds of different backgrounds. So, we, we're now saying advanced PHP MySQL skills. So, you have to at least have experience in PHP MySQL so that when you get, come on trial, you're not coming from like a C++ background and trying to learn PHP MySQL and WordPress, you know, and, and prove yourself. It's just too much. Um, right.
1: You're, you don't want to be a, you don't want to offer a position where somebody is going to come and Learn the skills for the job. And maybe they have similar, but they need to already come in with those skills so that you are teaching them the product and maybe your platforms that you work on, not the languages that you work in.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I think it was just too hard. It's just too much of a time crunch uh, for people to come up to speed from no PHP MySQL skills. to 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 learning that plus WordPress, plus the way we work, it's just too much. So the people that have been successful have generally had advanced my PHP, MySQL skills. And it was just a matter of them, you know, maybe learning WordPress, maybe they already had WordPress, but also like fitting in with the way we work and stuff. A couple of other requirements we added was uh, you must welcome criticism. And you must genuinely want to grow as a developer. So, and those are
1: great requirements.
0: Yeah, those, those are and those are we don't take those lightly. Like if it's very apparent if you come on trial with us and those things are are not true. <laughs> so, so we wanted to put that right up front, and also values consistency and is willing to adopt to new coding style standards and tools. We've had people come on board that like to do things their way and and don't really like changing, don't really like switching over to the way we do things. And that's a big problem, right? You have to be speaking the same language when when you're working in a team because it's just way too hard otherwise. So So we added those things and hopefully that'll help. So if you have a full time job and you're also doing a trial with us, it is really, really hard. Right. You imagine working nine to five and then coming home and then putting in two or three hours with us. I mean, that's just it's It's going to be hard
1: on them. It's going to be hard on you to figure out, like, how are they actually going to be if they're here full time? Right. Uh, And Yeah. yeah, that's hard.
0: But unfortunately, I I mean, there's also weekends. You you can, you know, some of the trialies work on weekends. So they do evenings and weekends, but doing evenings, weekends, while working a full-time job is still really hard. And so, what I've done is, I, there is no way around it though, unfortunately. I don't know, I can't ask somebody to quit their job and then come on trial with us, that's not realistic. Unless, you know, for some reason they're comfortable with that or whatever. You know, they really hate their job or something. <laughs> but so far that hasn't happened. So, what do you do? I guess, so what I've done is I set expectations. So, I, I really, really emphasize how hard it is. Because a lot of the trilees, we've had come on board they last like you know three or four days and then they're just like can't do this anymore it's too hard right so if you set the expectations up front it kind of prepares them for the next you know three weeks like like you should oh like and i mean i emphasize this i say how hard it's been how many people have dropped out because it's so hard and you should you know talk this over with your wife and you know like or your spouse or whatever you know so it's uh I think it's helping a little bit. Uh, I've only tried it a couple of times, so I don't have a whole lot of data yet. But um, yeah, hopefully we're making our hiring process a little bit better. Back
1: when I was freelancing and doing client development, uh, I had a long-term client that we we had an agreement and we did projects every every month, basically. And they're almost always rushed jobs for corporations primarily in New York City. And he always had a, a saying like, As the product manager, he would tell me, the developer, help me manage the client's expectations. Just tell me what I need to know so that I can manage their expectations. In any kind of relationship, whether it's client to developer, developer to product owner, developer to developer, I've decided that that is absolutely key. Missing the deadline or having something change scope are all things that can be easily managed. Having hours that are different, that are weird hours or inconsistent, or you're gonna be off for a few days. All of those are things that you can easily deal with if you manage expectations. And so I think you're you're spot on there about in this trial period when you're here, let me tell you just how hard it's gonna be because I want you to know that this is what we're going to expect because we need you to prove it. So let me let me manage your expectations up front so that there's no question about it from either direction.
0: Yeah yeah managing expectations is um, is so important I, I can't remember where like at what point I, I understood that but I know like while, while I was freelancing I did a pretty good job of managing expectations and I, I probably I probably got better at it as I went along I'm sure because when it comes to clients I mean if you don't manage client expectations you know things can go sideways pretty quickly. The other thing I've been doing is project management on Migrate DB Pro. So I'm just about, I don't know, three quarters of the way through the issues in GitHub. There's a, There was 182 open issues in GitHub and I just went through them and tagged. 182, man. Yeah, you're, I know. I think you're
1: slacking, man. You <laughs> 500
0: (laughs) yeah so i'm curious like so what i i'll tell you what i did and then you can tell me if you guys do something similar so so i don't know how else to do this besides just one person go through them all and like tag them with any label or label them with any labels that ha- are missing, or and then prioritize like we we we're using uh, priority labels so priority colon low high medium, and then bug if it's a bug, new feature if it's a new feature, so we we use labels um, and then. And then we uh, we assign them to the milestone that we're working on if we if it's something we want to work on this for this milestone that that that's currently active and that's basically what I, I'm doing I'm just going through all those issues and and doing that and closing uh, closing the ones that are irrelevant or, or whatever is that similar to what you guys do or uh,
1: it's yeah it's pretty similar it, it varies for us depending on which plugin we're working on for example like our three big main plugins, EDD, RCP, and AffiliateWP are all public repos. So we, we have issues that are open from users and community members and other developers as well as the ones that are open by our own team. And so sometimes those get lost in the shuffle or a little bit. Uh, we do have a couple of kind of guidelines that we try and stick with. And that's, first of all, every single issue should have, make sure it has the proper labels, bug enhancement, etc. Every single issue should always be milestoned, no matter what. It has to be milestone because that's what ensures that it gets looked at. Um, a non-milestone issue gets lost. Even if that issue gets punted to the next release or to the recent release after that or the one after that, that's okay. But at least it gets an eye on, on it if it has a milestone. So everything gets milestone. And then depending on the plugin, uh, there's usually somebody who kind of takes care of triaging those issues.
0: Do, on, do you, um, do you have milestones? Like how far out do you go with the milestones? Like we usually versions?
1: have at minimum two major versions. So like right now, for example, we have edd 2.6, 2.7 and 2.8. So that's three and affiliate WP we have 1.9, 2.0. And then in restricted content pro we have 2.6 and 2.7 right now as the major ones for major releases, I will set up milestones for three to five point releases after each major release because I know that after a major release, we're almost guaranteed going to have a point release. That's just the nature of how it, ha- how it works. When I'm milestoneing an issue, if it is if it is a point release type issue, and if we are approaching a major release, I will never milestone it for two six one. I will always say, let's go to 2.6.5, 2.6.4, something like that, because I know after a major release, we're probably going to have two or three point releases within a a few weeks, within a month or so, and we don't want to be going through and punting a bunch of issues already. So I just go ahead and prepare for having those point releases.
0: We were doing something very similar to that, but what I found happened, we would punt issues from, you know, release, let's say 1.6 to 1.7, and then 1.7 would just keep ballooning. And then, so then when 1.6 was done, we look over at 1.7, it had like 80 open issues, and you're just yep. like, Ugh. We
1: did, we, we absolutely run into the same exact problem. We just, uh, were are working on EDD 2.6 right now. We've got the first beta out. A few weeks ago, we looked at it, and we still had like 75 open issues, and we already closed 30 or 40 issues on it. And so then we go through and we just say, all right, let's start punting these. Let's figure out which ones are not a priority, uh, and we'll punt them. And it's one of the reasons why I try to have two or three major releases further back so we could say, all right, let's try to limit the next major release to 30 to 50 issues. And then if that one is getting full, let's go ahead and start moving them to the next. I'm not as concerned about a milestone having 50 or hundred or even 200 issues on it uh, because as long as they're milestone. Cause I know that that at least we're going to get an eye on it and we're just going to punt it. I don't care if an issue gets punted for 10 versions. I'd rather that happen than an issue not get looked at at all for two years.
0: Right. Do you use priority labels? we don't uh we
1: probably should we have a we have a label that is high priority but we don't have low medium high
0: yeah so i i i just got kind of tired of of the whole uh, process of punting to the next milestone and then having that issue where you have to go through all the issues in that milestone again and punt those <laughs> that, that shouldn't be in that milestone. And then, and then they get past the, it's just like a never ending cycle. And what I find is that some of the issues that end up in later milestones, sometimes they should be promoted and they, but they may never get looked at until you finally arrive at that milestone. So what we're trying, this is an experiment, is that we're, we're only ever going to have one major release milestone. So there could be minor release milestones for fixes or whatever. That's fine. But only ever, ever one major release milestone. And then all the other issues have priorities. So high, uh, high, low, uh, or yeah, high, low and medium. And then we just pull from from that pool, that giant pool of issues. We pull, like, so, so then you can look at like how many high are there? There's probably only a few. So you, you pull those in to the next release. Then you go to medium. How many of those can we pull in? And then you can just go down to the low ones and start pulling You know, however many you feel is a good number for, for this next release. That right? seems
1: like a reasonable way to manage it. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if it works. I'd be curious to know if that works great where you're at, say, 80 open issues. And if so, now does it continue to work if you have, say, 200 open or, issues? F- or 500. <laughs> for, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the most we've ever had in EDD has been around 300. Uh, right now... Uh, we have 244 EDD that are open. And I think Affiliate WP has about 150 and Research Content Pros around 60 or 80.
0: When you have like 80 issues in a milestone and you don't, do not do need to punt, is that something you do or does somebody else do that?
1: Uh, usually it, it, for EDD specifically, it's either me or Chris Glosowski going through as the two project leads for it. And then if it's Affiliate WP, it would be me or Andrew figuring out uh, which ones we're going to go through, and then with Restricted Content Pro, it's me or John right now, and and sometimes it varies. Uh, it also sometimes it depends on you know does it does an issue no matter how cool or important it is. Is there anybody actually needing this fixed or wanting this improvement? There's a lot of things that are just really nice to have, and as much as you want them, you may not need them. And I think one of your prior priorities should always be okay. What are we solving for the support team? And how are we reducing those tickets? And how are we improving the overall customer experience? Is this something people are actually asking for? Or do we just want to build it because it's cool? An example would be like in EDD, I really want to build a webhooks system so that we can fire off a webhook to any remote URL after a purchase is made, when a sale is refunded, a file is downloaded, things like that. But in the entire EDD history of four plus years, we've only had like three or four people that have ever asked for it. There may be a lot of use cases and as cool as that feature is and as a developer i can think about all the cool things we can do it's just not a priority right
0: yeah yeah it makes sense to me i mean we've we found that help scout is not it's it's hard to identify what what are the common issues that come into helpscout especially if you have a team of people doing i mean when it's just one or two people you know in helpscout you kind of have a feeling for what are the issues you keep seeing and having to address but if you have three or four people in there or more and then then the feeling is different <laughs> you
1: yeah. know you, one, you, of, the, one yeah. of the things that i try to do uh, and and each one of us is either has better at it or worse at it than others and at different times of the month and year, et cetera, but is never be afraid to open an issue. If a customer has a problem, like it, it's 100% okay to open an issue and then close it 20 minutes later when you decide it's invalid. But we'd rather have it be considered than just be like, eh, whatever.
0: Right, but here's the thing though. So that's what we were doing. We were adding it to, to GitHub and we still do that. The problem is like, as issues come in to help so they keep coming in like the same issue or a very similar issue. Um, there's no way, way to really keep track of how many are actually coming in, or at least I don't know of a way. So we're, we're using a spreadsheet right now to like to tick up. Like we just have a counter for each thing that keeps coming up over and over again. Um, and just, we're trying to keep like a running total of how many people are asking for these things.
1: We, um, um... When it comes to feature requests, we try and, like, if we get a feature request and we think that it's worth considering, at least, we'll open a GitHub issue, and then we try and any time that we get that request again, we drop a link to that ticket on the issue. That's what we do, too but then we can go back and say, okay, we have 20 requests for this.
0: Yeah. It, it's that's okay. That's pretty good, but it's, it's impossible or it's very difficult to tell at a glance, like what are your oh, top, yeah. top issues? Right. Yep. <laughs> so, so that's what, that's where the spreadsheet comes in. Our spreadsheet has like, a, like a count column, a column that just bri- briefly describes it. And then a link to the GitHub issue. So yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's nice. So that we can keep that running total. We just started this like a few weeks ago and, uh, We've already have some vill- better visibility into, like, what are the things that are coming in to support um, that are that are problems that we could solve and, and decrease our support load and help help more of our customers. Nice. So, yeah.
1: Well, I hope it works out for you.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I'll let you know. We'll be updating in a few w- weeks. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what have you been up to, man?
1: So, the first thing, uh, and I just mentioned this briefly is, uh, we just pushed out the first beta version for Easy Digital Downloads 2.6. We released this last week, I think, at beginning of last week or May 26th is when we pushed it out. And this is, so this is one of our, our major releases. We've been working on it for a while. Our last major release was in January, I think. So we're approaching this six months since the last major release. Uh, we We wanna try and speed up our major release cycles. We like to be about every three months, Uh, three or four months
0: you and me both man (laughs) we're getting there uh
1: so there's a there's a few things that i'm really happy about with the 2.6 release Um, there's two major features so first is we decided a while back that we are going to bring csv importing for products and purchase records into the core plugin. So everybody has them, it's not an add-on, it's not a separate plugin, it's in core because so many people want it. So many people want to import their products, whether they're coming from a different plugin, a previous store, that's just how they've set up their products beforehand, what have you. We decided we wanted to bring uh, CSV import To core. We've had a CSV manager plugin for a while that did product import, export, payment import, and export. And it's always been a little bit lackluster. It's had some issues. And these are issues that we've known about, and we've kind of intentionally chosen not to address them because we've been working on bringing it to core. One of the primary limitations of it has been that it would fail if you had, if you wanted to import, say, 500 products or 5,000, Uh, especially like purchase records, because it didn't do batch processing. It all worked in a single process and it would time out, uh, especially on lower end hosting accounts. So that was one of the other problems that we wanted to address with this import. And we did. So it uses a, a JavaScript batch processor and it can, it theoretically could import thousands or maybe possibly millions of rows. I've personally tested it with hundreds and we'll, we'll see how it goes. It's actually the same batch processing api that we've now used three or four times throughout edd and it's been pretty reliable for us so i'm, I'm pretty happy to have that in so,
0: core so is this do you think it's going to help you guys out for quite a bit like having people submit pull requests for bug fixes and stuff to this part of the code whereas yes before, so right. there's a there's
1: a few things so number one because uh, with it being in core, it'll be a little bit easier for us to number one get additional eyes on it, whether it's from our own team or from outside developers. It will also be easier for us to get support added to other extensions. So, like if we have extensions that register custom meta fields, for example, make sure that those are supported for imports and exports, various things like that. the The performance one was a, was a huge one for us. Another one, another big problem that we used to run into a lot was if you were running object caching it just died because a previous importer relied on on transients and they didn't quite work the right way with object caching.
0: Yeah, I think this is a pretty good move business wise too, because people that might be hesitant about switching to EDD yes. from something else, this removes that friction. And we they, want to make
1: it easier. We yeah. want to make it there's some ones that we wanted to do. Number one, we want to make it easier for someone to commit to EDD. So they can say, awesome, they have an importer that makes it so much easier. Number two, we hope that that import experience is smooth and works well. And and we'll see how it goes. Right now we feel like the experience is better than it was. It still has a long way to go to be awesome, but it's better. And next, it improves our end because one, we have an easier adoption process for people. So our support experience is easier. Two, we remove the plugin, the old CSV manager plugin that was problematic and hopefully give everybody a better experience so we have an easier time in support. So overall, I think it's a good move.
0: So does it support like some software, what is the software add-on called? Software licensing. Software licensing add-on. Does it support that yet or no? Yes
1: and no. So in the purchase import, um, let's say that you wanted to import a bunch of purchase records and you wanted to go ahead and generate new license keys for each of those sales just so that they had a license key. Maybe they don't have the same one they used to have, but they have a license key that will work. If you want to import an existing set of keys, that is not supported yet, but that is absolutely on the roadmap. We have, we're going to figure out how to do it because that is definitely something that we see people want to do is they've been running an EDD site for a while, or they've been running through a different e-commerce plugin, and they want to move all of the records from one site to another. Perhaps they're merging two sites together. Maybe they're pulling one product out of a site and moving it to a standalone product. We wanted to be able to support that much easier. And that means bringing license keys with it eventually we would love to support all of our extensions so license keys commission records those are the two big ones really
0: yeah subscriptions i guess subscriptions
1: oh that's that's the other one yeah that's our (laughs) the second biggest
0: right right yeah that would be cool Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah and now that it's also in core it's easier for each of those extensions to hook into the import and export process as well so that's the uh the biggest feature the second one that we've that we've there's, I guess there's three big features. The second one is we have now added in support for adding multiple email addresses to a single customer record. So a anybody who's worked in support or sales is probably familiar with customer makes a purchase and then they come back and they email support, and they use a different email address. Or they make a second purchase. It's the same person, but they use a different email address. A lot of people have two, three, four, five, ten email addresses. <laughs> um, and sometimes they sometimes they have them all hooked into a single Gmail account, like I do. And then they they send an email, and then you reply, and then they reply from a different email. But it's still the same person, but now you have two records. So we wanted to help address that problem by adding multiple email support to customer records. And so we've done that. So you can now have secondary and tertiary emails. Right. That's uh, awesome. It, if you purchase with any of those emails that are on your record, it will attach it to the proper customer record. You can search payment history by that, the alternate emails, you can do all sorts of things.
0: Right. Um, we, we, do we, some, we, we did something similar. Uh, like we use Woo, WooCommerce and uh, their site, their licensing add on um, to sell our products. But anyways, we, we had to add that feature. Like, so uh, you can add as many support email addresses, we call them, as you want. You have a billing email address and you have like an account email address. Uh, that's just comes with WooCommerce kind of stock, but there is no concept of a support email address, like an, or additional email addresses. So we had to add that.
1: I think we're the first e-commerce plugin that has it. Nice. That makes me, that makes me happy. Yeah. Uh, we, we really took our inspiration from how Help Scout does it, uh, that's a super handy feature that they have um, adding multiple emails to customers. And we kind of wanted to work, have it works in a similar way. We also added a customer metadata API. So we previously didn't have a way to store metadata on customer records. Now we do. Uh, we also added support for processing refunds for PayPal standard directly from the order detail screen. We didn't used to have that. Wow. So that's, that's a nice little feature.
0: That is nice. Cause it's annoying to have to go to the pipe out, log in, hit <laughs> yeah, the button so and then, so <laughs> How when many times do you have yeah. to hit buttons? I think you have to hit like five different buttons to head to make a yeah. refund. The
1: number of times I've almost not processed a refund by accident because I missed the last button in <laughs> PayPal. Yeah. Um, we, we've done a few other things. We introduced the version two of our REST API uh, using our REST API versioning, uh, which there's not a ton of new features on it. It's more, it changed a few things. And so in order to make sure that we don't break anybody's integration, we introduced a second version. Right now, it's, so it's beta one. There's a blog post on the development blog. and We'll include a link in the show notes. Uh, we're looking for people to help test it. We're planning to do another two or th- or three, if we need to, beta versions before the final release sometime around the end of June. Beyond that, we've also been, over the last six months, it's been an ongoing project to work on Restricted Content Pro and elevate it up to the level of EDD and Affiliate WP so that they are RCP had always been a side project for me for a long time, and we want to make it no longer a side project. So we've been working on that for six months or so, and it's, it's there. We're doing a lot of improvement still. It's been my focus for this, last, this whole last week. But one thing that we've wanted to do more of is create a tighter integration between all of our three products. So EDD and AffiliateWP integrate very well together. RCP and AffiliateWP integrate very well together. RCP and EDD do not integrate. They, they run side by side, but they don't really integrate together. And so we've been wanting to bring some of those, bring the two products together and not, not merge them together, but make them run together, have features that integrate. For example, like if we want to allow a paid subscriber in RCP to download files for free from EDD, that's something a lot of people want. And that's something that's on our to-do list. And we've been working on bringing some of those things together so that there's two systems talk to each other better. Uh, this last week we introduced two of those new bridge plugins if you will. One of them is related to our front end submissions plugin. We get a lot of people that run marketplaces and want to limit the number of products that a vendor can submit, uh, maybe like per month, For example. So let's say you subscribe to the five products plan. So every month you can submit five products. And then after that month, after your your next renewal, you can submit five more or something like that. Uh, So we've built a little plugin that allows you to now do that. So you can have subscriptions through RCP that then control how many products vendors in Easy Digital Downloads can submit. Uh, That was the first one that we did. It's called FES Vendor Limits. And then the next one that we've had requests for uh, and this is, this is actually pretty common for things like stock photo marketplaces. Store owners want customers to buy a subscription. And every time that that subscription renews, whether it's monthly or yearly, they get credits deposited into their account. And then they can use those credits to download files from the website. So let's say every month that your subscription is valid, you get 100 credits. And then each product, or let's say it's each file, so each photo in the marketplace is 10 credits. So you can download 10 files per month. We built an integration between our wallet extension, which is basically allows you to have a store credit on an EDU website and Restricted Content Pro so that every time a subscription renews, it deposits funds into your wallet. Uh, that was another little plugin that we just launched this last week. That's very cool. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to do a few others uh, that kind of help bridge the gap between the two plugins. An interesting thing that I had never expected, but we've found to be very, very true is that because... RCP and EDD are built by the same company, um, and originally were both branded with my own name, and now we've removed my name from the branding, but there's still an association there. EDD customers and RCP customers, a lot of them naturally expect the two plugins to just automatically communicate, like 110%. (laughs) Right. um, Which I always thought, always surprised me, because I'm like, no, they're totally standalone products. Yes, they're built by the same teams, but they are different products. I'm not going to say that people's assumptions for that are right or wrong, but they were definitely there. And so we want to try and work and start meeting some of those expectations.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt business wise either because no, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> if, 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 if your products are tight or have tight integrations, then you can definitely people will be more receptive to, you know, buying the, the sister well, product. And,
1: I think any smart marketer could tell you this, and I've seen it uh, mentioned numerous times in whether it's blog posts or podcasts, et cetera, but uh, it's been shown that it's significantly easier to increase the value of your existing customers than it is to acquire new customers. And not only is it easier, it's more valuable. Um, And so one of the things that we want to make sure that we're doing adequately is cross-promoting our products. And so like we want every EDD customer to be interested in RCP. We want RCP customers to be interested in Affiliate WP and likewise. So the goal is that with all three products to kind of create one cohesive ecosystem where they all work together. Because uh, that way, if, if we have an EDD customer, we can upsell them to Research Content Pro. That, they can be upsold to Affiliate WP. And so that's kind of our long-term goal is to be able to do that.
0: Yep, sounds good.
1: Yeah, so that's been our focus and we've got a long way to go on it still. Uh, it's, it's been fun to, to definitely see a lot of those things get built out and to see the products get closer together. And I'm really enjoying seeing restricted content pro get elevated up to a similar product as, as the others, especially it is the oldest of, of all of my plugins of like the big ones that we've built for a while. It was starting to, it was, it was dying. It was, a, it was actually dying a pretty slow death over time as just customer base decline, sales decline, development on it declined. And we're going to, bring it back up
0: yeah it's nice to either you know let something go let someone else take it over and 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 breathe new life into it it's nice to see that or you can you can do it yourself if you're committed or maybe kill it maybe that's you know but the the worst is just having it just kind of linger slowly
1: die yeah (laughs) about uh eight months or so ago that's the decision that i was making was do we let rcp just slowly die and just acknowledge that it's going to uh, if we don't bring focus to it, do we sell it off to somebody who can breathe new life into it? Uh, or do we own it? And we decide to own it. Yeah. Awesome. And I think it was the right move.
0: Yeah. It's looking great, man. Well, thanks. Well, we probably better wrap up here. I think we're approaching 45 minutes or so. Yep. Sounds good.
1: All right. Uh, if anybody has any questions about any of this or any suggestions, you know how to reach us on Twitter at Apply Filters or through the website or email address.
0: All right. Thanks for chiming in. Talk to you next time.